Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 79 O God, the nations have come into your inheritance. They have defiled your holy temple. They have laid Jerusalem in ruins. They have given the bodies of your servants to the birds of the air for food, the flesh of your faithful to the wild animals of the earth. They have poured out their blood like water all around Jerusalem, and there was no one to bury them. They have become a taunt to our neighbors, mocked and derided by those around us. How long, O Lord, will you be angry forever? Will your jealous wrath burn like fire? Pour out your anger on the nations that do not know you, and on the kingdoms that do not call on your name. For they have devoured Jacob and laid waste to his habitation. Do not remember against us the iniquities of our ancestors. Let your compassion come speedily to meet us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God, for our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your namesake. Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Let the avenging of the outpoured blood of your servants be known among the nations before our eyes. Let the groans of the prisoners come before you. According to your great power, preserve those doomed to die. Return sevenfold on the bosom of our neighbors the taunts with which they taunted you, O Lord. Then we, your people, the flock of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Now you are walled around with a wall. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the ruler of Israel upon the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem of, the, of Ephrathath, you who are one of little clans of Judah, From you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor is brought forth. Then the rest of his kindred shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of God, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall live secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be the one of peace. If the Assyrians come into our land and tread upon our soil, we will raise against them seven shepherds and eight installed as rulers. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 21, verses 34 through 38. Be on guard, so that your hearts are not weighed down with the dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Every day he was teaching in the temple, and at night he would go out and spend the night on the Mount of Olives, as it was called. And all the people would get up early in the morning to listen to him in the temple.
Good morning, and welcome to the first Wednesday of Advent. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting once again from Iamsville, Maryland. Uh, This morning's readings come to us today from Psalm 79, Micah 5, and Luke 21. Um, I must apologize to all those who would get up early in the morning to listen to me on this podcast. Um, Yesterday morning um, was just a bit hectic. We... um, yeah, I, I wasn't able to record. And the process, uh, the difference in process between Anchor, which is all pretty cookie cutter and from your phone, is a little bit more uh, high high demand uh, f- uh, to record on my computer for a transistor, and it just wasn't going to happen yesterday. Um, I am back in Maryland uh the family is just taking some time so that our oldest can go back to school and interact with friends and kind of catch up, and then we'll probably go back to Maine um, to um, to be with family and uh, for me to get a little bit more writing done. Um, but this morning, uh, as I've mentioned before, uh, this is the uh, reflecting on the first Sunday of Advent, and that's a big deal because that's the changeover of the Christian liturgical year. And it's uh, all of Advent marks the anticipation uh, of the world, of the weary world, um, to when the Christ child will come. And it's, it talks about being on guard and waiting expectantly and, and things of that nature because the Advent of Christ is not just about Christmas Day, but it is also about the next advent, the next arrival of Christ here on earth. Um, so there's this deliberate parallel in the Christian imagination between Christmas and the apocalypse. Um, the other day, uh, I was, as I've said, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to update you all about this book that I'm writing, but I'll do. I'll try to remember to do it at the end. Um, I was writing and reading about Joseph, or I'm sorry, Joshua. And Joshua, um, the book of Joshua is sometimes skipped over and kind of glossed over by Christians um, because there's a lot of violence. And the violence is pretty overt. It's not hidden. It's not, you know, um, it's not allegory, we don't think, Um and God commands all this really um, difficult to swallow kind of activity toward one another, and so we don't like to think about Joshua and Judges. Those are the parts of the Bible, in particular, where the violence makes us a little uncomfortable in terms of what we think of God in terms of Jesus Christ. And this has gone on through millennia. Um, there's been no shortage of Christian theologians who felt similarly and who wanted to get rid of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, um, because they could not make sense of what seemed like this great difference between the God of the Old Testament, uh, who was angry and wrathful and violent, um, and Jesus Christ, who's thought of as this meek, um, you know, lowly, nonviolent you know, fill in the blank. And that is not entirely untrue. It's just uh, a poor interpretation 
of an incredibly complicated book. I mentioned Joshua because um, he is, I think more than David, the embodiment of God fulfilling God's promise of land, of sovereignty. Um, he, you know, even under Moses, when they first were going to take the land, which was only a, you know, a couple of years into their, their wandering in the desert, um, they could have taken the land then, but they were afraid. The people were afraid. And uh, Joshua and Caleb were alone among 12 spies who went into the land. And Joshua and Caleb were the only two who felt that regardless of the fortifications, the size of the people, um, that that they could do this, like trust God, this is going to happen. And it's not that they... It's not that they thought very much of themselves, it's that they thought very much of God. And uh, unfortunately, the, the, the tyranny of the majority prevailed, and God said, okay, you don't want to go in now, you don't trust me, so we're going to wander until every single one of you, except for Joshua and Caleb, who were born as slaves in Egypt, you'll all die before your children inherit the land that I promised. And so that's what happens. And Joshua is the book where that finally comes to pass, that Israel will take this land, and they do it. It's it's a military campaign. Uh, There's violence, there's commands, there's order, there's, um, you know, all the stuff that you would think of in terms of a military campaign. So fast forward a couple hundred years, and the Jews are living under Roman occupation, A lot of them are are kind of testy. The zealots would go around and they would um, try and incite riots to get Israel to rebel and overthrow Rome. This is what happened under Judas Maccabeus. And so the Jews wanted a military leader. They wanted someone to overthrow Rome, someone like Judas Maccabeus. And what they got was Joshua. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean that literally. Jesus' name is, it's not Jesus. That's a weird corruption of the exact same name of uh, Joshua. Um, Joshua was born Hosea, and when um, when he was uh, elected by his tribe to go search out the the promised land, Moses gave him the name, or he he added a prefix to his name, Jah or Yah. Um, there's no J sound in Hebrew. It's Yah. It's actually Yahshua or Yahoshea. Um, so that becomes his name, Yahoshua, to, and it's shortened to Yeshua. That exact same name, Yahoshea, is the name that Gabriel tells Mary that her son will take. And so God gives the people a military commander. God gives Joshua to them. Uh, metaphorically, but also literally. Um, He's a different person. He is the fulfillment of all these promises in the Old Testament. Um, Fully man, fully God. Um, But his name is not what we think of it as. It's it's Joshua. That's his name. I mean, to be consistent in our transliteration of Hebrew names, and this is true in the Orthodox Church, they, when they talk about who we think of as Joshua, they say, Joshua, son of Nun, every single time. When they talk about Jesus, they just say Joshua. Um, 
And that's important because if you want a military commander, what the, you know, you get Joshua. That is God's. That that is the commander of God's militia, God's army. Um, but just like Paul talks about later in in uh, his letters, um, Joshua is no longer here to take the promised land through um, war against flesh and blood, but to bring uh, the promised land to all of us uh, by overpowering and conquering the dark principalities and powers in charge of the world. So we have a military commander. What Israel wanted, Israel got, but not in the way they wanted. Um, if you have any doubt, I mean, Mac, Judas Maccabeus was basically Joshua without the name. He tried to overthrow the Romans. He came close, but he didn't succeed. Jesus, however, Joshua, son of Mary, um, did and is succeeding in doing so. Um, and we might succeed in believing that Jesus is our military commander. And the promised land is here. It's something that we have to fight for every day. We fight against the principalities and powers. We fight against our own, our own envy and anger and jealousy um, and lust. Um, Joshua, son of Mary, helps us do that. Um, and we shouldn't mistake um, or we shouldn't, you know, ignore the fact that, A, uh, the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, or the Old Testament and the New Testament, are one unified um, holy book. We cannot look away from our own history. If we do, we have a stunted understanding of who we are and who we're supposed to be. Um, and I think that's uh, one of these the beautiful things about Advent is we look forward to this fight that Joshua, son of Mary, has come to command us and lead us in. And it's not a fight against flesh and blood. It's a fight against ourselves and our own shortcomings and our own weaknesses and insecurities. Um, because those are the things that lead us to violence against flesh and blood. When we don't get what we want or when we think that someone's mistreating us, we think that the right thing to do is to do it back. Um, and that's, that's not the fight that Joshua, son of Mary... Um, is here to lead us in. Um, we are, um, insofar as we're Christian, we are soldiers in God's army. Um, it's important metaphorical language that we should not shy away from, um, but we should also be reminded that this, the army that we are serving under is not one that fights against our neighbor. It's not one that fights against our enemies. Um, it is one that recognizes that the enemy is within, both within us and and within those people that uh, we think, that we're so ready to think are our enemies, that certainly there is evil that resides within them. But if we forget that there's also evil that resides within us, then we've failed, um, we fail to see what's really going on. And that is why the Advent is, you know, this opening up of our eyes, of our world, of our understanding. And that's that's the apocalyptic nature of the coming of Christ and the coming of, of God, that God, if God is in control under Joshua, son of Nun, that meant that we were taking the promised land by military force. Um, but if we, um, that is a part of our history, it's no longer who we, who we are, what we're doing right now. Um, we believe that when God comes again, everything will be consummated and, and completed 
Um, and until that day comes, we are called to fight this higher struggle against um, the dark forces in control of ourselves and our world um, and, and not against flesh and blood and one another. A prayer for our enemies from the Book of Common Prayer. O God, the Father of all, whose Son commanded us to love our enemies, lead them and us from prejudice to truth. Deliver them and us from hatred, cruelty, and revenge. And in your good time, enable us all to stand reconciled before you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.